0: This past week, I got to uh, visit with a wonderful long-time member of this congregation, the longest active member of the congregation, Pat Bangs. At one point, Pat was talking about her dad and mentioned that he went to war in Europe when he was a young man. Now, for me, the war in Europe... That has most often been referred to by any living living person uh, with a connection to it has been world war ii growing up there were a lot of people alive who had fought in the war themselves or who had family who had but patty was talking about world war one as again for me world war one was completely confined to History. The only thing I'd ever really learned about World War I was from books or photographs. But as Patty was talking, it dawned on me that she knew someone, it was her dad, she knew someone who had experienced World War I in person, who had been there. Someone who had seen the fields and the trenches of Verdun or Flanders or something similar. Someone who had worn those wool uniforms with the wide-brimmed hats. Who knew firsthand the horrors of what was called the Great War. Talking to Patty in that moment actually gave me a little sense of awe at being that close to someone who had actually experienced World War I, to be just one step removed from that. I mean, we can learn an awful lot from reading about historical events and people, and much of it can be quite moving in its impact on us, especially reading the eyewitness accounts of those who were there. But being able to talk in person with those who were there brings a whole new level of of vividness to our understanding. And of course, nothing compares to actually being there ourselves, being part of an event itself or knowing certain people ourselves. One of the amazing realities of our scriptures is that many of them were written by those who were there or written down by someone uh, they were recorded from those who were firsthand with uh, testimonies. The letter we have been exploring for weeks was written by someone who knew Jesus himself, someone who had lived the experiences he writes about. And even more astonishing for us, that disciple John in our text for this morning declares essentially that our faith in Jesus doesn't rely on second or third hand testimony alone, but by the living witness of the Holy Spirit and the holy sacraments, baptism and communion, and through our experience of the Spirit and sacraments, we have an experience of Jesus himself, the Christ, firsthand. John is trying at this point in the letter, he's trying to encourage the hearers of this letter to have faith That Jesus is the Son of God, as he says it in verse 5 there. That Jesus is the unique Son of God. John believes that holding such faith avails us of strength and wisdom to, as he puts it, overcome the world. Overcome the ways of the world. Now, John believes this to be true because he knew Jesus. He lived in the company of Jesus. He heard and saw much of what Jesus said and did. But even John doesn't say, take my word for it, or at least by itself. He adds, we heard in verse 7 and 8, For there, there are three that testify, who wit that witness the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. And notice that the the verbs are present tense. There are three who testify, not there were three who testified. There are three who testify the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. In fact, if you go. Back to the the end of the verse before, verse 6, John writes, it is the Spirit who testifies. It's a present continuous verb. It's constantly taking place. The Spirit testifies. Even now for us, the Holy Spirit testifies that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, commentators are kind of uh, of two different minds about what the reference to water and blood is exactly. They see it in two different ways. Some believe that Jesus is referring to that scene that we heard in our gospel passage, uh, when the soldier comes by and pierces Jesus's side when he's on the cross and water and blood come out But most believe that they are references, as I was saying earlier, to Jesus's baptism and his crucifixion and the Last Supper and all that that celebrates uh, the, the sacrifice of his life that he gave. And I believe that John is focusing on baptism, Jesus's baptism and crucifixion, because at the time that it took place, each of those revealed in their own ways Jesus' own unique relationship with God. And they are the two events that Jesus Christ commanded his followers to continually participate in through our two sacraments, ongoing, wherever we are gathered, baptism and communion. Those are the only two things that Jesus, when he came back to life, said, do these things in remembrance of me. Each of these sacraments, baptism and Holy Communion, not only remind us of the historical events they represent, but by the work of the Holy Spirit, they somehow avail us of the experiences themselves. We are Incorporated into the body of Christ and in Him experience His baptism and crucifixion, which overcome death and raise us to new life. I like the way William Barclay puts this all together for us. He writes, In Christian baptism, things happen. He writes, Uh, He was an 18th century, uh, or no, 19th century uh, Scottish pastor, and so he always wrote, a man plunges when he meant a person plunges, a man or a woman, plunges below the water and dies with Christ. They emerge and are resurrected with Christ to a new life. Therefore, Christian baptism is a witness, is a witness, to the continuing power of Jesus Christ. In the Lord's Supper or communion, there is given to men and women the opportunity not only to give thanks for Christ uh, to Christ for his sacrifice made once for all, but also to appropriate its benefits and to avail themselves ourselves of its healing power we still have that experience. And therefore, that feast is a continuing witness to the atoning power of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The continued gift of the Spirit, the continued death and resurrection of baptism, the continued availability of the sacrifice of the cross at the Lord's table, at communion, are still the witness, the living witness to Jesus Christ. And the reason that John in his letter specifically points out that there are three living witnesses goes back to the command that God gave through Moses in that Hebrew First Testament reading we had, that in order to verify something actually took place, Uh, uh, there needed to be at least two or three witnesses to that. And it became uh, standard practice uh, that essentially three witnesses were the solid uh, minimum. That became the guidance to establish truth, three witnesses to testify to something. And so John says, we have three. Now, again, I, I recently shared that we've been watching a lot of the television series Suits, in our household. And that takes place within a law firm. And I've watched enough of that to uh, know that it is great to have recorded depositions from eyewitnesses, but if you really want to convince a jury, it's even better to have the living witnesses give their testimony in person. I would hope I get a little confirmation from that from our prosecutor here. And so, as we seek to trust deeply with the whole of our lives, base our lives on that truth that Jesus is the Son of God, John tries to assure us that we do have living witnesses that testify to this truth. The Spirit, the water of baptism, and the blood of communion. And we don't rely on the written testimonies alone. Even greater than those living witnesses is the embodiment of what they witness to. Again, through our participation in the sacraments of baptism and communion, we are incorporated into the body of Christ. His baptism becomes our baptism into his death and resurrection. His sacrifice on the cross becomes our sacrifice, restoring us to communion with God. Now, it does not feel that intense every time we participate in the sacraments. But it is true. And every now and then, in the midst of a sacrament, it will dawn on us that Christ is present with us and even within us. Or it will dawn on us that we are embodied even now in the fullness of God. And that is why we celebrate communion today and at least once a month it's why we, we baptize within the context of a community of worship. Through these events, the Holy Spirit testifies to us the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And the Spirit unites us to Jesus Christ in these events. And in that way, we overcome the ways of the world and become living witnesses ourselves. Thanks be to God.